What's up, everyone? Welcome to yet another amazing edition of the 15th greatest radio show that you're going to hear on a Thursday before 2. It's Nerd Thug Radio. I feel like we're getting more and more narrow. Well, I want to be specific, but also victorious. You know what I'm saying? I want to inspire and not lie. That's fair. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like those are frequently related, so yeah, I say that's positive. Yeah, listen, no Joel Osteen's here, you know what I'm saying? Allegedly. 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 This is Corey DLG, and with me as always is his little brother Nico. That's me. Uh, we are hanging out on a Thursday, which means, by the rule of rounding up, this is the weekend. We made it. That's right. It's over. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, plus a Thursday. Like, man, it would be so nice if it was just a four-day work week, right? Um, do you... 2 p.m. Thursday, and you're just like, all right, pack it in, boys. We're done. Do you read the news? I don't. So, there was a massive workplace study that took place. Uh, it just wrapped up. So, for like a quarter, a bunch of companies, I don't know where in America, but here in America... They, they got together and a bunch of companies decided to do a workplace study where they did four-day work weeks. The study has now ended. Nearly all of the companies are staying with the four-day work week. Because it's awesome. You know, I got to be honest. I imagine, like, suddenly... Okay, when COVID hit and everyone got to stay home and do their job, like most people probably like that. There are some people who are very pro office. They need that interaction. I get it. Whatever. That's fine. But the people who have since been forced to come back to work, when this showed up and this was their chance to like win some of their freedom back, and on top of that, an off day, not a work from home day, You've got to know that they were just so pumped that they, like, morale probably jumped 10 points the second the study was even announced. Yeah, and I mean, this goes back to a lot of the, just treating people nicely just gives you so much back for it. Well, I mean, that was the big thing that Henry Ford did. He increased everyone's pay as much as he could, and then every, and then all his profits went up despite him paying people more because people were happy. Yeah, there is a really... Productivity and positivity are both like heavily correlated. Yeah, that was kind of what I was trying to find. Was like the there's a real dynamic there where when you take care of people, it tends to, you know, it works for you. the The guy who paid all of his employees the same salary and it was like eighty grand or whatever, instead of him taking a twelve million dollar CEO pay, he was like, "How about we just give this to all the employees?" and First of all, their applications went through the roof because people were like, I could be a receptionist for 80 grand. Um, but more importantly, employee retention was up. Employee happiness was way through the roof. And there was a lot of sense of security, but also the company did just fine. They did all kinds of great business. The employees worked hard because they, they felt taken care of. They felt respected. They admired what their boss did. How many times can people say that? I admire what my boss does. Right. And when you respect someone that you work with and not despise them, it makes it your job way easier. Well, forget work with, work for. That's even harder. Can you imagine if you, like, okay, you and I don't, we, we do this. You're in school, we do this. Can you imagine, though, if you work somewhere where you, like, out and out, had, like, three bosses, and you saw them 
sporadically through the week, one of them every day because it was your direct boss. And imagine if when you would get home, you would tell your wife like horror stories and you'd be like, I can't stand these three guys. How awful yeah. is that? But then flip it, and all of a sudden, you love working for these three guys. Like, how much better do you like your job at that point? Yeah, you don't dread coming in because you you have and you have the ability to be a person too. Well, and just imagine like when you like your boss, so they sit down and they have you have a meeting with them, and it's like a check in meeting. Like when you leave the check in meeting and you hate your boss and you hate your job, you're like, oh my god, I just lost two hours of my life. Like, what are we doing? But when you like your boss and you you have that check in meeting every once in a while, you you're like, man, that was like that was great. Like, there's a chance I might get a big raise this year. Like, there's a lot on the table. Like, I really feel like he's advocating for me. This is a great opportunity. Um, it just it's different when you want to be there. And uh, yeah, I the four day work week. Well, here's the other thing. Because Americans don't use their vacation days, because Americans don't travel, because we are quickly becoming one of the least educated countries in the world, we don't realize how other places do stuff. In the Latin American countries, they've had siesta forever, where they literally take an hour and a half to two and a half hour break every day in the middle of the day. And they work longer. They work until 7 or 7.30. But in the middle of the day, they literally they go home and have lunch with their families and stuff. So there are all these different work models that exist that are better for everybody. And America just does, like, the worst one possible. Yeah, we're like, you're going to grind yourself into oblivion. You're going to work all the days of your life. And then when you get two seconds to yourself... You still either got to think about work or get ready for work because it's tomorrow. <laughs> right. Well, like even in Europe, people go on holiday. So like whole departments yeah. at a company will just close for a month. And like if you're in the oil industry, you work with a lot of different companies overseas coordinating. If you're in logistics especially, you know like, oh, oh, it's coming up on holiday. I got to get this stuff taken care of either this week or a month and a half from now. Uh it's, I believe it's China that for the Chinese New Year stuff, they're closed for two weeks. Everything. Everything is closed for two weeks. During COVID, this came you up. Just, you just have to account for everything because you, you're like, well, it can't be now because yeah, no one's there. I either get the order in within the next 36 hours or two weeks and 36 hours. Like, your choice. <laughs> During COVID, there was a comic book paper shortage, right? And that was one of the things that kind of changed the comic book industry a little bit. And one of the reasons that the shortage was harder to fix was because it hit right before the shutdown for their Chinese New Year. So like three days before Chinese New Year starts. So imagine it's like a Wednesday before 4th of July holiday here in the States where you're like, okay, well, I've got to make it through like two or three days and then I'm off five days. That was what it was like, except it was I got to make it two or three days and then I'm off two weeks. So it was like really hard to get stuff moving on the Chinese side because they were they were kind of like, okay, well, we're going to do as little as possible before this vacation. <laughs> right. We're about to not be here for a very long time. Yeah. So. yeah. We'll take care of that when we come back. And you're like, whoa, whoa, it's Tuesday. <laughs> I need this on a yeah. boat now. And they're like, and they're like, oh, tough call. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. Let me see if I can stir some guys up. Yeah, yeah, try that. Try try stirring the guys. Uh... <laughs> well, Stir came back made. Yeah. We got no guys. <laughs> well, bad news. We stirred. No response. 
Oh. Okay. Yeah, and that's basically what it's like sometimes when you talk about this stuff. Like, overseas, Europe, Latin America, even China, they do take these these different, they have these different work models that everyone's comfortable with. And lo and behold, their economies exist and they do just fine and they make money and we trade with them and we don't have problems and we make it all work. And then on our side, we use the least amount of vacation days in the world and we, we just show up nonstop and are miserable and are sick and we never take care of ourselves. Yeah, we love it. America, the greatest country on the planet. <laughs> Woo! Never change. Woo! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah, but also this this is huge because, I mean, a lot of people talk about the... I've heard some, like, stories about people being like, oh, the death of the 40-year career. No one works at the same place for, you know, 20 years anymore. And it's because, because of stuff like this that they don't, you know, people don't value your time. There's only so many snuffed vacation days you can have before you go, that's it, I'm leaving. <laughs> I have, it, the idea has come to me more than once that there should be some sort of bank account that you have like for your whole life and it just skims a little bit out of your paycheck every week or every two weeks and builds up sick pay, holiday pay, retirement, all that stuff. Because, like, you're right. Nobody stays at the same companies. So what are you going to do, roll over 401ks every two years? Like, doesn't it just make more sense to just have your own stuff already? I mean, that's, just, that's just called savings, but yeah. Well, no, I don't I don't mean, I mean, I don't mean. I, you're saying, like, the, the companies do it, like, per employee? Yeah, yeah. So, like, okay, let's say, let's say for two years I work for Todd's insurance and for those two years while i work there let's say there's a national set like there's a there's a national vesting and a national matching so like um anybody who anybody who's in an industry and has less than five years experience they get a three percent matching anybody who works in an industry and has more than 10 year more than five years experience they get a four percent matching and then let's say it's capped like an eight percent matching somewhere okay so I'm starting in the insurance industry. I've never worked there before. I'm trying it out to see if I like it. This is year one, day one. It's a 3% matching, uh, and that's what Todd's in. So like right now, companies pay taxes for every employee, right? Social Security, Medicare, Medi- all that stuff. So he would still be paying it out, but instead of instead of it going to like their 401k and their matching and stuff, it goes to your own personal account that travels with you. Instead of them paying to their own health insurance plans, it pays into like a giant group health insurance plan that we're all a part of. Um, and that way all that stuff carries with you. Cause like right now when you're trying to leave jobs, you got to time out your health insurance coverages. You got to make sure you use all your benefits so that when you change jobs, if the new job doesn't cover dental, but the old one does, you know what I'm saying? Like, we do all these. Yeah, I mean the, the whole the whole rigmarole of right. get everything lined up. It should all just be in one mobile account that travels with the person from job to job, industry to industry. If you job hop your whole life, that's fine, but you'll always be at that lower tier uh, matching rate for your savings, and you can always adjust what you're putting into it, and you know, with your own little plan through the banking stuff. However, ultimately, you know hopefully we would have some sort of financial literacy course or people would be working with every 
right now the Social Security Administration sends you a letter uh, every year letting you know how many quarters you've worked and how many quarters you need to work to qualify for X amount of benefits. We could do the exact same thing and incorporate your 401k into it. Even though the, even though I don't believe in the 401k, I think it's a st- I don't think anybody should be putting money in the stock market hoping that it'll be there when they retire because it's so unpredictable. It's a fool's like it's a gamble. If you retire on the wrong decade, it, you are broke. If you retire in the right decade, you're you're wealthy. And that doesn't that's not a fair smart way to retire. But I do think it's a way to, you know, kind of build wealth while you work through your careers. And something that's separate from the person because people are terrible at saving. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a choice. Like they have to put in at least one percent. They can put in up to, or maybe there's no cap on what they can put in if they want to. I don't understand why there's a cap now on a four hundred one k. If I'm supposed to be retiring off of this, how come I can only put ten percent in? Like, what is that? What What is the logic there? Because they don't want you. I don't know. Too, doing it too much. They don't want you to be comfortable. Like. <laughs> They're like, I don't want this guy having too much money later, so we're just not going to do it. Wait, we're paying this guy so much that he could just give a bunch of it to his future self? This is stupid. Yeah, he's got to spend that money now. That's America. Uh, I just, yeah, I think all that stuff should travel with you. I, I don't think it's that complicated. I think, first of all, I don't think, like, it's tax season right now. It blows my mind that we file taxes because the U.S. government I mean, knows how much we make. <laughs> That's like my favorite meme on the planet. It's like the IRS. Hey, you owe us money. It's like, oh, great. Well, how much do I owe you? And they're like, no, no, no. You got to figure it out. And it's like, what if I don't pay that? And they're like, well, we'll, we'll know. And it's like, so then you do know. It's like, no. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> we know. You don't know, but we know. And you guess. Like, and if you're wrong... We're going to come for your money. <laughs> We're going to ruin I think I your life. I overpaid or underpaid a year, but by like $30. Like, how do they know to that specific? Like, Oh, the dumbest thing happened to me one time. I was fighting a bunch of f- fees. So I filed late one year because I, was, I re-requested a W-2 from one of my jobs, and they took like four months to get it to me. So I filed. Legends. Yeah, I know. Well, when you have junk jobs, you get junk replies, right? Like, so I filed super late on my tax. Like, super, like I filed one, and then the next month, the new taxes were due, basically. And on top of that, the year I filed with the terrible jobs, I owed them a, a de- not a lot, but some money, a couple hundred bucks. So I have to write a check for a couple hundred bucks. And they've got all these fees attached to it. So I had to write a check for everything. So it wound up being like eight or 900 bucks that I sent to the IRS. Then I had to pay my taxes for the next year. Then, while I was fighting the fees, they gave me a credit for the fees. So I applied the credit to the new taxes. So I sent them that. They sent me a bill for the fees being added to the new taxes. Or no, they sent me a smaller refund. They were like, you don't get to do that with the fees. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you said waive the fees, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah, but we meant from the previous tax year. We don't mix years. So then they sent me a letter saying, we owe you money. Then two weeks later, they sent me a check, and it was for like $62 after it was all said and done. And Thanks, I, guys. And I was like... You appreciate all the work you're doing. I mean, listen, if that's what it is, it is what it is, but it really blew my mind that they tracked it all through their system like one citizen you know what i mean 300 million people in america one citizen overpaid 
year-old taxes, and the system was still able to catch it and then pay me my money. Like, if we can do that, why am I getting a Quicken tax account? Why am I going to H&R Block? Like, how stupid do we have to be? Easy answer, Corey. It's because the tax industry is a billion-dollar industry. I, You know what's weird? Uh, this is going to be so political, and I don't, I don't know. We cut $2 billion in taxes five years ago. But then every time we turn around, we're like, oh, we got to have this and we got to have that because it's a billion-dollar industry. And it's like maybe instead of cutting two billion in taxes two years or four years ago, whatever it was, three years ago, maybe we could have cut some of these dumb industries that we don't need, and we could have just gotten checks in the mail automated. Wrong, incorrect. <laughs> like, <laughs> how did how did we decide that instead of just getting rid of the tax and like instead of Instead of making all of us go through this weird dance where we fearfully do this thing, like, we're now trying to hate the IRS, when really, it should be really patriotic to pay your taxes in a, in a, in a straightforward way. Like, this supports the military. This is funds cancer research. This does all these things. It's because it's because we know other people who make much more money than you pay much less taxes than you do. Right. So, because the system isn't fair, because it's not level... We then get mad about it, but instead of being mad at H and R blocks and Quicken Books and and tax refund and whatever these other companies are, instead of being mad at them at the fact that they pay tens of millions of dollars to keep charging us a billion dollars, we get mad at the IRS agent who's like, "I I work for the government and I make forty five a year. Like this is like you are gravely yeah. misjudging who you're mad at here." Yeah, this this poor IRS agent is just trying to do his job. It's not his fault that uh, some random multimillionaire paid forty two dollars in taxes because he bought a private jet three years ago. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm still. That's not his fault. He didn't write that down. I'm still deducting my losses on my jet buy. I'm sorry. What what happened? What are we doing? Who's getting this? Like, I like the idea of Grant Cardone on paper, but when you hear about, like, the loopholes and the things that happens, you're like, okay, I don't like this And they're anymore. like, I'm the smartest man alive. It's like, it sounds like you're using something real bad. I, you know, it, like, you don't want to agree with him, right? Because he's like, yeah, infinite money. Like, it never goes. And you're like, no, it's really not. But then when you find out, like... And they're like, no, you're super in debt. You, and he's like, never, not once. Well, and, there, and here's the weird part, like... Once you cross certain thresholds, you're not really in debt anymore. Yeah, because you're you have so much collateral and so much money that like. Well, but also like, okay, let's say he it really doesn't matter. Yeah, let's say he's got a billion dollars in debt and he's got like one and a half billion in assets or whatever. Well, his little method is that he keeps just refinancing and 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 turning the will. So he goes to another bank and he borrows a billion and then he gives that billion to the old bank and. He's a, still a billion in debt. Nothing's really changed, but he changed lenders, so it's a new loan. But here's the other part. You don't pay taxes on loans. So let's say he gets a loan for $1.1 billion instead of just a billion, and then he keeps $100 million just for himself. That's totally illegal. And that blows my mind. How did we build a system where it's okay for him to, to take the $100 million, but it's not okay... 
for me to not use H and R block. Like, like <laughs> how did we get there? And that's my question. We we've fundamentally failed in so many different ways that when someone wants to have the dumb argument of like I don't drag queen story hour or whatever it is that people are mad about. Uh, books in school, which I thought was where they were supposed to be. I don't know. I don't know anything, though. Uh, you read books, Corey? I'm going to have to report this. I got to be honest. I read so many books that were above my quote-unquote age group, but I was I was such a reader. This whole argument is stupid to me. And my mom wasn't lenient at all. My mom was super strict. She was thrilled that I was reading these books. Like, yeah, it was probably a book for 20-year-olds, but it didn't matter because I was reading these giant novels when I was 7, 8, 12. Like, it was great for them. They were like, hey, at least the kid's a reader. Like, you know, we got something going for him. He might be the worst, but at least he can read. (laughs) He might be almost nothing but trouble, but darn if he's not a reader, you know? like. (laughs) uh, And so, to me, this is such a weird, stupid... Books in classrooms? It's, it's to separate people. It's all it is. It it's is. All, it's, all, it's all it ever is. But I want to see one of these people just once get up and actually argue and fight for something genuinely a problem. Like uh, I'll give it to you right now. H&R Block. Yeah. Man, those guys suck. They took my money. I want to see. I, I paid I paid $100 to pay my own taxes. Th- think about that. You paid a third party to do your taxes that the government already knows the answer to. You paid someone else to take a math test when someone already had the answers for free. And that was the best way to do it. How? How, Corey? How is that at all the move? I don't know. I don't know. And that's like, listen. I know they do it for. I know they do it for money. I know that they're scammers. I know they don't really mean it. But like, let's see Matt Gates and Ted Cruz say something about that. Not say that they are weaponizing the IRS to go after people. Let's hear them say that the IRS is the tool we should be using, not H and R Block. Let's hear them say that if we just use the IRS, Americans would save a billion dollars a year. Doesn't that sound like it'd be good for the economy? Right, but no one likes the IRS because they have to pay them. So you're 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 in a losing battle because but- that's literally even if you're trying to get into trying to improve your situation, every every third person on on social media is going to tell you Hey, you know what you need to do? Avoid paying taxes. Right, and that, and listen, that's but that's a dumb, unreasonable argument. Like it doesn't work. If you don't want if you don't want to pay your taxes, then stop using roads, drinking water, and going to school. Like, listen, taxes are. Don't call the fire department when your house is burning down. You know what I mean? Like, like if you want to live in a society, you got to pay taxes. So that part's done. Society. But what I what I would love them to actually do is just once. Cue Joker music. I know, right? Just once actually be like They really it should be in their benefit. It their, should. Their their salary is the taxpayers' money. It absolutely and not only should it be to their benefit, it should be to the benefit of every American. Because here's the argument, and it's a winning argument. Hey, you just paid your taxes, got your refund, right? Yeah. How much was a refund? Oh, it was like 3500 bucks. How much did you pay to H&R Block? Oh, they charged me like 125 Don't you wish you had $125 right now? Yeah, I totally do. 
Okay. That's you won. You won. I have a simple solution. Yeah. Here's the answer. We're gonna stop using H and R block. You know why they'll never do it, Corey? Is because H and R block is paying those people to no, keep them around. No, and, and they are, and that's the disappointment. And it's and I want to be really, really clear before we get the angry email from anybody. I firmly believe H and R block pays people on both sides of the aisle. I'm, I'm sure they do. Oh, a hundred. It wouldn't. They wouldn't exist if they didn't. Right. Um, here's a story that I always find fascinating. It's from a Netflix documentary. It's about uh, quote unquote fake colleges, for profit colleges that pop up. So like Todd's Cooking School, okay? So Todd's Cooking School. I almost I almost went to one of these. I have a fun story about you, this. Oh, nice. So like Todd's Cooking School crops up, and they'll they, they go after all the veterans' GI grants, GI bills. So they so when you come back from from serving, you have a GI credit for like a twenty thousand dollar educational loan that's supposed to be getting helping you get certified or degreed in something so that you have a job when you land when you land. So you come home. Todd's cooking school is like, oh, you want to be a chef? Cool. Give us the 20 grand and we'll turn you into a chef when it's all said and done. Well, the colleges aren't accredited, but there's no monitoring or reporting agency for that. And then on top of that, the colleges don't actually prepare you for this. And in some horror stories, they used you as free labor and took service contracts. So like you, so like students at a cooking school would say work at a cafeteria at elementary school where they were working as volunteers and this and the company was getting paid the the wages for those people. Um, yeah, baby. Yeah. So cut to the end of it. These people finish the programs, get these quote unquote chef degrees that are worthless and from unaccredited, and they've never worked in a real kitchen. They're unhirable. They don't have the necessary skills. And on top of that, their degree is uncredited, unaccredited with an A somewhere in there. Um, so during the Obama era, they wanted to crack down on this. So the head, the secretary of education sat down and they started trying to form guidelines. Uh, and they started to say, if you are a college, your job placement needs to be a reasonable number in order to get federal money. The number they started with is a reasonable number. I think 50%. If you job place 50% of your students, you qualify for federal money. The problem was when they started, when they applied this formula to schools, they found out that there almost were zero colleges in America that qualified. So then they had to, to see it. So then they had to start scaling the number down. They wound up coming down to a number that was like 20% and then they started getting pressure from Congress on both sides of the aisle that 20% was unreasonable that placing one in five students at a job isn't the responsibility of a college so the number wound up being something like 8% and then when it was time to enforce it Congress bailed both sides yeah so when you talk about these like shenanigans like H&R Block and for-profit colleges and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, both sides. <laughs> both sides. Uh, what was your story? Who were you, was it ITT Tech? Uh, so it wasn't them. It was like this media tech school. So I, I ran into them at Comic Palooza. Oh, was, I do. Okay. Ages ago. Was it like full sale or something like that? 
No, it wasn't full. Because full say, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't remember the exact thing. Because it was like some media tech institute, basically. Yeah, I remember full sale like, would be like, well, when you're done with your program here, you you are qualified to be like a producer for a television channel. And I'm like, that feels fake. Right. Anyways, so the best part is when I got to go to their actual building. Oh, so uh, like you were serious. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we were doing this show. I was 18 or 19. True, so true, true, home. true. Like... I was like, well, I already got this, and I kind of want to keep doing this, so let me see if I can go to school for it. Because, you know, parents want me to go to college. That's fine. So I go, and it's this, like, A, it's in, like, this, like, random, like, shopping strip area. <laughs> good sign. Yeah, good sign. And, like, they, they have a lot of rooms in this building, but, like, I'm, I'm, they're going through, and they're like, oh, you know, they got all these, like, records on the wall, but it's of artists I've never heard of. <laughs> And they're like, "Oh, check out our check out our cameras." And the the weirdest part was that there was no one there. Not a good it sign. Wasn't even, not a good not, sign. Not a soul. There was a single. There was I think two or three people. There was like one guy who was supposed to be like a teacher, but he didn't have any students in the building at all. And like it, it was an off season for sure. It was probably maybe the summer, but like. No one has a summer class. No one wants to like be here using these resources because I mean they had like the equipment. They're like right, you know. Here's these. Here's these. You know, super fancy cameras. They're like, oh, these are 4K cameras. Check out this. Like, like they had like a producer room and like the giant soundboards you see in like music videos and stuff. Like, <laughs> they had the gear, but that's not hard when people are paying you thousands of dollars. <laughs> that's the also more importantly, and this just feels like it's worth noting. Most of these programs are, like, a year or two long only. It seems like you would have to go through the summer to get accredited. Right. And so, like, I was like, well, what kind of stuff do you have for, like, radio or, like, podcasting? And then they're like, well, we have TV programming. And I was like, well, that's not really what I want to do. And they're like, well, you can do a double feature and get two degrees. And I was like, what's happening here? And I was super, like, you know, me being, like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and being like, well, this is cool. And then we left, and then I never thought about it again. I feel like that was the universe just telling me to not worry about it. Yeah, yeah, because you would have been real upset with yourself if you'd have done a year of that and gotten done, and, and you'd have been like, I got a TV producer credit degree thing. <laughs> and they're like, that's cool. Yeah. And so yeah, I I left there and it was a very strange experience because like when I was asking them about like, well, what do you guys do? And then like the one teacher was like, Well, you know, we like sit in here and then we watch like a movie and then like we analyze it and I'm like, I I guess that's what film students do. <laughs> I I swear to God, I took a film studies class as a humanities credit my freshman year. And when I found out that that's all it was was Every Wednesday we were supposed to meet and watch a movie in in like the auditorium. But you didn't have to go and watch it if you watched it on your own. The deal was you had to turn in a paper Thursday by noon or Friday by noon or something about the movie. And then there was like things to look and they would like there was like a sheet about each movie, like things to look for because they were talking about different stuff for different movies. But when I found out that that was the entire curriculum, I immediately dropped the class because I was like, I watch TV for fun. I'm not going to watch it 
for a degree. I guess I don't know what I thought was going to be happening in a film studies class, but when I found out it was just watching movies, I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I will not. But you but took yeah, a class like, like that. Didn't it was you? like the most it was the most like vague description on the planet. Like it was it was a very strange experience. Yeah, that's definitely uh when they can't give you straight answers for it. Because here's one thing a col- a real college definitely will do. They'll give you answers for everything because they're pretty sure they know what they're talking about. Wrong or right. right. And like And I was like, Well, can I take any scholarships? And they're like, No. And I was like, mm, that's weird. Yeah, it seems like scholarships would be okay, like Never heard any other college say like they don't want other people's money, <laughs> right? And so like it was just it was a really weird like thing. And funnily enough that you mentioned it, like I think a couple months or maybe almost a year after that, I hadn't thought about it in forever. But we ran into like one of my old cousins that used to live in our area, and they were, they swung by. We were talking. And he was talking about how he was struggling because he had just got a new job, but he had built up a lot of debt because he went to, like, one of these media schools. And I was like, funny you mention it. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like, yeah, I don't even work in film. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's literally what he said. He's like, it's not even what I do, but, like, it, it, I have to pay all this money because these people, like, he was like, I was there for, like, a year, and I, it cost me so much money. And I was like, man. Yeah. How how narrowly I have escaped death so many times. Yeah, no, for sure. And, like, it's such a weird, dumb system. But you're right. Like, if you... That's the thing that's really... I mean, the word is unfair. I don't know another way to say it. Like, can you imagine you It it's, is predatory. It's 100% predatory. And, and can you imagine you're a veteran and you're like, okay, I'm trying to get my life right now that I'm back home. And you're trying to give them, like... They take your the, the money that's allocated for your college education and they wind up just blowing it on fake chef school. And now you never get that opportunity again. Like that's awful. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunately a story that still, it still happens today. These schools are still open. Yeah. It it doesn't even, it just doesn't make sense. And it's such a terrible, stupid way to do this that I don't even, I Again, Some people don't have to be honest for a living. No, right? And, like, you know, you hear a lot of these scams and cons, and you just want, like, okay, I don't expect the normal everyday person to be able to do their due diligence. Like, if somebody walks up and says they're a school, I mean, they, you know, how is a normal guy supposed to know that they're not a school? Um, and maybe there are some flags, but I don't necessarily expect the average everyday person to catch them. Yeah, or if you go with them super young, well, like I did. Well, and that's the thing, is that's who they're preying on. But th- when you realize that cons happen to everybody, when you realize, like, Bernie Madoff stole, you know, it's one of the biggest kind of, like, $15 billion or something, whatever it was, and it's from Wall it's okay. Street. like Dwarfed. Dwarfed by crypto. True. Losses. Yeah, the FTX thing's even crazier. But when you find out that it can happen over and over and over again, you have to know that Tom Brady and Giselle Bundchen probably have a pretty sophisticated team around them of financial people. So when they get taken for a ride, like you have to, you have to. When Kevin O'Leary, Mister Wonderful, who 
who does make good investments. When you watch Shark Tank, that guy doesn't make a bad deal. And I don't necessarily mean like fun for the person, but good for him and his funds. Like he makes good deals. And then when you find out he gets taken for a ride on it, like if you if they can trick these people who are slick, familiar, intimate with the kind of tools of the trade that you would need to be successful and they can get tricked, what chance does the average person have? The answer is almost none. Yeah, it's I mean it's just a mess. It's- and and the thing is that it affects you even if you aren't involved, and I think that's the craziest part of it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, when you find out like your company's, uh, like the firefighter's pension is involved in the Bernie Madoff scheme, and you're like, oh, bad news, guys. No one gets to retire now. Right. What? And, the, and, and you know, the amount of money that was taken versus the amount of money they recovered is nowhere near the same. Ever. Also, um... Uh, if they ever even recover. Oh, so I watched the Bernie Madoff documentary, okay? Oh, finally. Uh, on Netflix. There's like a three-part or four-parter. The last part is about the victims and them trying to get their money back. So they had to go to court, they had to sign up, and they had to ask for restitution, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Wall Street has an insurance policy that would have given every one of his victims $200,000. However... This listen, this when you talk about sharks running the fish pond, this is what we're talking about. The fund is funded by the brokerage firms themselves and they only have to make a payment. Like there's a set amount they have to pay in every year to this fund and it's like a protection fund in case something like Bernie Madoff happens. It's literally to protect from theft and fraud. But they're not obligated to make payments based on, say, the number of accounts they have or the size of the accounts they have. It's like a set fee for every broker they have or something like that. So for each broker, they have to put $2,000 in the pot, and that's it every year. So the fund didn't have the money to cover this kind of loss. So instead of putting it against the insurance, who had just taken a hit from the, from the economic crises and all that, The judge ruled this was a terrible one-time thing and that the fund wasn't meant to cover the losses from something like a Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme, even though it is explicitly built to cover fraud. Uh, What can I say? Common Judge L. (laughs) What? Yeah. So first these guys get stolen from. Then when they finally get to court and they go before a judge and finally have a chance to get something back. First of all, there's restitution. They're seizing assets, selling assets, blah, 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 blah. So that money exists. And then there's an opportunity for every victim, according to the rules, to get this 200 grand. And the judge rules that this is a unique one-time situation that the fund does not apply to. Wow. The worst part is that the the one-time event is exactly what it's designed for. The worst part is that it makes these people victims twice. Yeah, 100%. Because they got robbed blind and then stabbed in the back by their own government. Forget in the back. They get stabbed. Just stabbed right in the face. Because there's a judge looking you in the eye. you got to rise when he walks in the room. 
he's supposed to act with some sort of dignity and respect, and instead he was like, "Not today, suckers." <laughs> he said, "I know this. I know this thing is supposed to protect you from this. In this case, however, it doesn't." Oh. And then they're like, "What?" Yeah. And he's like, "That's it. That's my rule of deuces." And then he just ran out the room. He was like, it is my belief that the Fraudulent Investors Fund does not cover fraudulent investments. It's like, I thought that's what it was for. And they're like, yeah, I thought so too. And then he walked away. He was like, despite the confusing name, you wrong. <laughs> I named it, I named it the, you get your money back. And then I ruled that it doesn't. Yeah. Listen, I know you are part of the You Get Your Money Back Fund. However, that is not the purpose of this fund, and we do not give your money back. Right. What? And I mean, like, it's because it's also a tough call. But like, if it's like, all right, so we have to pay back two million, two billion dollars. All right, how much do we have saved up? And they're like one hundred million. And it's like, well, I can't pay them back. Right. Right. Yeah. What are you supposed to do at that point? So I just. Yeah, man, like, sometimes when you see these things, you're just like, well, there's there's your sense of justice. So, yeah, are, should we embrace a four-day work week? Sure. Should we... I love how this is, we just bring it all the way <laughs> yeah. back. Should we... Loop it back around, baby. Should we pay the IRS and not H&R Block? Absolutely. Should we, you know, be able to get a degree when we pay for college? Yeah. Will we? Mm, probably not. <laughs> probably man. not. All right, so then the real question is, what four days of your four-day work week do you want? I'm a big proponent of Wednesdays off. Okay. <laughs> so when I worked at the Idiot Factory, all right, and, like, they would just do the dumbest things ever. Uh, uh-huh. If you remember, when they first, when I first, <laughs> I kind of stole this promotion, but when I first got the promotion to receiving supervisor, as a way to undercut me and try to make the guys mad at me, the operations manager said, great, now that we have enough people, we can enforce the punishments all these guys have been building up that I didn't have the people to enforce it on. And he made me go through and suspend everybody for stuff that had happened like four months prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and he staggered them all. So this week it's these guys, this week it's these guys. And it, it was, it was just, he wanted them to come back all mad at me, but I really kind of handled the meetings pretty well and everybody came back and everybody was excited and he was surprised they even came back because he's like usually when we suspend people they just don't come back and i was like then why are we doing like <laughs> so worst decisions on the planet well, we understand he was that. a moron um but so yeah his he was like i was like also suspending somebody from work that's not really i don't like do you really think this is a punishment and he goes oh don't worry we do it on a wednesday so they don't get weekends off and i was like yeah but then they have two two-day work weeks like that's not a punishment and it's awesome he's i had a school i had a school i will not stop talking about this i think i've talked about it maybe five or ten times over the course of the show (laughs) i i set up my schedule where i only did things on tuesday uh on it was monday tuesday and then uh thursday friday the wednesdays off was the greatest thing i have ever (laughs) discovered in my entire life well like it's never too hard right because you could talk yourself into powering through two days right like listen i know i should have gone to bed early last night and i didn't and i woke up exhausted but all i gotta do is get through today and tomorrow and then i'm done again right it, it gives you that mental break right in the middle and also like if you have to do things like around the house or like 
you have other obligations, that Wednesday off saves you so much heartache. Also, because you have like also, dedicated time during the week, quote unquote. Also, homework and big projects. Yeah, like if you have to take stuff home, oh, it's beautiful because you're like, all right, well, I have Wednesday to do stuff, and then I can, you know, go into Thursday feeling good, and then Friday, and then we're done for the week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, uh, so. it's it's a it's a magnificent thing. If you ever wanted to try a four day work week, try Wednesdays off. It's the best. So that was what he that was what we did. We suspended all these different people for Wednesdays, and like they came back on Thursdays on in such a good mood. In my head, right, I was like, you're you're juiced up. You're ready yeah. to go. All they gotta do is work today and tomorrow, and it's back to the weekend. Yeah, and then it's and then it's back, and then you're back off. <laughs> I was like. When they would show up Thursday with a smile on their face and in a good mood every single time, in my head I was like, "This guy's a moron!" Like, <laughs> what a he, favor he, he, he accidentally did! Accidentally discovered gold. The four day work week with Wednesdays <laughs> off. You feel rejuvenated, refreshed, ready to take on the next two days. Okay, so I don't because then you get two days off. Right. I don't hate that one. I think I would do Fridays. Um. So I had enough sick time built up that I was going to take off every Friday for like the last two months because I had eight sick days. No, I had yeah, I had eight sick days left. And so I was just going to have three-day weekends from like the week before Thanksgiving through the end of the year or something like that. And uh, they did layoffs like late summer, so like it didn't work out that way. But I was I was so stoked for that. Like, can you imagine... Every single holiday, you just work Monday through Thursday, and then you go like I was like, "Oh my God, let me get to November, and I will I will be the happiest rooster in the hen house." Like <laughs> you couldn't. You see, I used to I used to be a Friday believer too, but what happens is that it just makes Mondays worse. <laughs> Listen, nothing fixes a Monday. I mean, there's no getting around it. Nothing fixes. It is a when when you're only going in, you only got to play Monday, Tuesday, and then you're done. <laughs> That's true. Maybe, maybe you might be onto something. The, I don't hate a Wednesday the, off. The more consecutive days off you have, the the harder it gets to get the engine going. So I saw a thing where it was like, I guess it's a website or something that people talk about. It might have been a Reddit thread. I don't remember now, but it was like, how to use your ten days off to get like sixty days off this year. And it and it basically played on all the holidays and everything. So like Fourth of July, you're off Friday, Monday. Okay, well if you take the Thursday, Tuesday off, you're off seven full days and you only use two of your ten days. Right. It's just playing into like weekends and off days. Yeah, it just like maximizes the best use for your time. So like one of them was for Thanksgiving you can get 10 days off if you just take off Monday, Tuesday, because most places close Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yep. And I was like, that's a that's a good point. Like, Yeah, but those are more like extending your holidays versus taking breaks in the middle of the week so you don't want to shoot yourself. <laughs> no, you're right. But at the same time, it was interesting that people had planned out their whole year that way. I mean, it makes perfect sense because it's just like, well, using your days strategically. 
The problem is that it doesn't account for you being, like, deathly ill or something coming up. What do you mean you just go to work on those days? We're Americans. Ah, true. My mistake. No sick days. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't patriotic enough. I didn't I didn't I didn't get the memo. So when I worked at CarMax, sick days they would pay you you would okay. You when you worked full time there, you would bank sick days and, and vacation days. Okay? And one personal day. The personal day and the vacation days, they would pay you your average rate. So they would take the last four pay periods or six pay periods and they would average out what your paycheck would be, and then they would do that against 40 hours, and that's your hourly rate. So most people would make somewhere between 15 and $24 an hour, depending on how many cars they would they were selling. Uh, so your vacation time... So you're, so you're telling me is to just be an absolute monster on the sales floor, and then take all your vacation at once? Listen, the way, the way CarMax was set up was like, if you were a beast... All of your benefits were maximized. Like, I mean, it really, they really did. They were like, listen, you know, our cars are cheaper. Like, he can, he can take a break. Yeah. This guy's an absolute yeah. monster on the sales floor. But what we would, but what people wound up doing is like, if there was a month where they were behind or like a bunch of stuff fell through and it was just a messy month for them, they would just take vacation when their month was bad and take the, because the accredited hours would save their paychecks. Wow, that's that's some that's some gaming right there. And I didn't. And people say they don't use math. Yeah, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't catch it at first. Like you could do that. I didn't think about it. And I'm watching one of the uh, one of the Indian guys. There's like four Indian dudes that work together. They're a little little click. And two of them are talking. And one of them's got his sick days. He's got his like uh, day calendar pulled up, like where we it shows how much time you've accrued. And they're talking, and they're talking, and, like, certain deals had fallen through. He was having a bad week. Like, you always knew because the managers would talk to people about it and stuff. They'd be like, yeah, man, like, Herman's really struggling this week. And you'd be like, oh, man, poor Herman. So, like, he's the guy's sitting there, and he's looking at his stuff, and his buddy's talking to him, and he's like, yeah, if you just take vacation Thursday, Friday, you'll save your week. You'll get your whole, you'll get your whole week's rate just like normal, and then that won't mess up your average, and then it'll save your vacation pay time at this rate. And he was like, hmm, okay. So he emailed his manager that he was going to be taking Thursday, Friday off for vacation. So the manager approved it. was like, no problem. Because, like, the manager's literally just, like, it's sales. So if you don't want to be there, they don't want you there. <laughs> so they would just approve it. What absolute legends. What? That's that's using your noodle, man. It really I was. I even thought about I did, it. Didn't. I'm out here like, if you work really hard, you get it back. And these guys are like, why would I work really hard when I could just take the average, boost my average, and then keep the average? It's right. Like, they man, were, this guy's four steps ahead of me. When they were saying it, at first they were talking uh, in, uh, oh, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, uh, oh, he's dying. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the language. It's the one that most, uh, Farsi. They were talking in Farsi. And I don't know Farsi, obviously, but I they were saying the numbers in English. So I was following the numbers, and I was like, is he talking about using his average pay? And so finally I just flat out, I was like, are you going to use your average pay to, to, to bail you out of these deals? And he's like, yeah, man, I can't sell a car this week. I just can't get one rolling. So if I take tomorrow and Friday off, I'll save the week. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it'll be like I sold two and a half cars already. And I'm and I'm like, oh, man. And he was the kind of guy who was 
he was averaging like four cars a week. So he'd sold one, then he would get to two and a half for the vacation time, and it was like a standard week for him. <laughs> man, some people some people are just built for the system, man. They're they got their head in the game. <laughs> when he said it, I was like, Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, I've been using my math all kinds yeah, of wrong. I was like, I took off last Friday because I went to San Antonio. <laughs> You're smart. <laughs> You're taking time off so that you can keep your time off that stays your time off. Right. What? You're saving your average with your time off. Meanwhile, I was like, I'm going to go to the Riverwalk. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is that he also gets to go to the yeah. Riverwalk. <laughs> but it was strategic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If there's, if there's anything more important than vacation, it's strategic vacation. Yeah. Strategy. Like, it was just crazy. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he just... Math. Watching the two of them go through it, where the one guy explained it to the other guy, and, like, catching a third of it, and then calling him on it, and they were like, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is crazy. Uh, some, people, some people work for the system, and some people work the system. That's it's right. Different kinds. That's, you, are, you are right. And once I learned, like... I was like, oh man. I started paying a lot more attention to how the how those guys were playing. Like I was like, show me. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I clearly need to take notes. Yeah. Show me. Oh man. All right. Well, it's been a long, long day for me. We're up against it here. I have made over fifty phone calls and two hundred emails. Good for you. Selling my comic book. Selling. So we got the PDF sale. I love that you left sales to join sales. Oh, yeah, I tell for you, yourself. working for yourself is a hundred percent full time sales, and there's just no getting around it. And you're always selling something. And what's interesting is how many people get offended or upset with you that you're selling to them. And it's like I don't know another way to do this. Like you buy it or don't buy it, but I don't know another way to do this. Hey, I made this thing. Do you want to buy it? I can't believe you're selling this to me. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. Like, I can't believe I'm selling it to you also, but you didn't know it existed until I said something, so do you want to buy it? So out of all those emails and phone calls, three sales. Let's go three more than you had yesterday. That's the easy way to look at it, except for the fact that I made 53 phone calls and 200 emails. Like, <laughs> Hey, man. It's the it's, it's what do they tell you? It's not the fifty no's, it's the three yeses. Come on, man. Like dating, yeah, that's true. Uh sales, I, I I'd like more yeses. <laughs> it's okay. It's a percentage thing, right? I don't know. I don't know anything about sales. I don't know. I never saw anything know. in my life. By my percentage is math, like the goal I have in my heart that I would love to like I'd love to be able to just shout this out. I'd be like, Oh, I'm in X amount of stores and just be thrilled about it. By my math, I have to call 3,400 stores. That's doable. Yeah. I actually have no idea if that's even the number of stores in the country. So I don't. You might be You might be either way off or perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I don't. I, if there's more than 2,000 comic shops across the country, I'm shocked. That's sad because I know of at least five. Oh, when I was just like, just in Houston, there were like, 10 shops that I was kind of blown away by that shout out to uh, Bricks and Heroes in Huntsville Atomic Monkey and Comics Vault there are two Comics Vault locations I've been to one of them uh, we've been to one of them we went together is that what that was called was that Comics Vault yeah I didn't realize yeah, that right there on Highway 6 yeah yeah I, yeah I didn't realize that was them alright yeah that's them well 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is another edition of Nerd Thug Radio blasting out over the airways. Uh, on behalf of uh, little brother Nico and myself and our sponsors, The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more on 1488. Bright, family-friendly, well-lit. Make sure to go hang out with those guys and enjoy yourselves. Uh, this has been another episode of Nerd Thug Radio, easing you into your weekend. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Y'all have a great one. We'll be back next week with some more Nerd Thug Radio.